Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love, which is available as a Kindle ebook, as a paperback, and as an audiobook. All you have to do is search for Mask of the Gods wherever you're listening to this podcast, and it should be there. If it's not, please let me know. I hope that it is. It's supposed to be everywhere. Today, I would like to tackle a topic that I've seen going around the writing community a lot, and that is basically, why am I not as good as my heroes or peers? Why don't I feel like my writing is as good as theirs? And it's a very good question, and we're going to spend some time with that today. But before we do, if you haven't already, please like, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. It does help me out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people, and that, well, frankly, would make my day. Because I want this to be a community podcast, and the bigger the community, the more chance for interaction we have. Okay, so let's hit our topic, and let's just hit it hard. Why is my writing not as good as my heroes and my peers? The answer, and don't get mad at me, and please don't stop listening after I say this, because I know quite a few of you are probably going to think that this is just a platitude, but it's not. The reason is you're not them. You're you. And this isn't one of those, you're special and different and unique. It's actually the other way around. It's because they're special and different and unique. And their writing is too. See, the problem when we compare our creative output with our heroes is they're not us. See, when I create a piece of art, a drawing or what have you, or do a bit of music like you hear in the intros to these podcasts, or I write a short story or a novel, I'm intimately familiar with every little thing that goes into them. For every novel I've done, there's probably 50 to 100,000 words of backstory and other creative work that went into it that most people are never going to read or see. But now that I'm working on a project with World Anvil, on blah, now that I'm working over at World Anvil to expose a lot more of my world building, you will be able to see that. But I know these things. I know these characters. I know these places. And I crafted that sentence. Whether it be from the first time it just popped out of my head in the drafting process, or through successive writing, rewriting, and revision of that chapter, I know that sentence inside and out. I know why every word is where it is. I know why it's where it is in the paragraph. I know why that paragraph's where it is in the chapter. I know why that chapter's where it is in the book. It only had a chance to surprise me 
the instant it was written. And probably didn't then, just because I had done so much preparatory work getting ready to write this story. It's one of the reasons I think we have a rush while we're writing, and then when we get to revision, we're like, oh man, why is this all crap? Because when we read other people's work, we don't know what the next word is going to be. We don't know what the next sentence is going to be. We don't know what surprising metaphor or simile they've come up with that's just going to blow us away. What amazingly succinct line of dialogue is just going to change everything. We don't know. And it's all full of surprise. And even on successive rereadings of a book by somebody else, we don't know why. Why exactly did the character say it that way? Why did they act that way? Why is the description written the way it is? We don't know any of that because we didn't write it. So it has this power that our own work will never have for us because there's a mystery at the heart of someone else's creativity. See, we can guess why a sentence was structured the way it was, why a piece of art was done the way it was. And maybe we're lucky and we get interviews or other bits of work from that person, from that creator, that explains why things happened the way they did, maybe even why that sentence was the way that it was. But most of the time we don't. And so it's all this beautiful mystery. It's all this amazing set of wonders before us. Why did they structure the story this way? Why did H.P. Lovecraft constantly use the word Cyclopean? And why do I want to use it every time I'm talking about an Eldritch Horror? That is the problem. That's the real problem. Now, you may talk about how your craft is not as good as some of these other writers, and that honestly might be the case. My craft is not as strong as a Stephen King's, because I haven't written for as long as he has. He's got quite a few years head start on me. I don't know if my work will ever be as brilliant as a Ray Bradbury, or an Isaac Asimov, or a Frank Herbert. These are some of my heroes. Or Harlan Ellison. But I can try. I can work at it. And even when I'm reading a more current writer, like a Chuck Wendig or a Brandon Sanderson, a Jack Campbell, I find myself looking at what they're doing and wondering if I could pull that off. If I tried to write a story like that, could could I do that? And that's because I don't doubt their ability to write. Because I don't have any personal stakes in their ability to write. I do have a personal stake in my own. This is one of the reasons why I think people find a particular amount of glee in The Crimes of Grindelwald. Because J.K. Rowling had kind of 
made herself into almost a literary god. No matter what you think of her now or why you think that way of her, she made herself into a billionaire as a writer. The amount of ruby dust that that takes, I, I just can't imagine. But it's a phenomenal task. It's an almost impossible task. Very few, if any other writers, have ever accomplished anything anywhere near what she did, as far as being able to take over the cultural zeitgeist with the Harry Potter books and then the movies. And to see her make a misstep in any possible way, even if we don't know for a hundred percent that it was her fault, was it the script? Was it the directing? Was there some negotiation between the studio, the writer, and the director that made the story go wrong? See, we don't ask ourselves these questions. We just go, oh man, the cluttered writing and the crimes of Grindelwald. How amazing, how wonderful. See, it doesn't matter whether it was her fault or not. And I'm not trying to defend or justify some of the weird writing decisions that took place in that story. What I am saying, though, is when we look at our own internal monologue, the glee that so many writers felt and expressed over that film project, well, you could see them looking at their own work and feeling superior. And this is a part of the problem that we have here is in everything we do, we have to be looking for these unnecessary hierarchies. Joe is not a better writer than any of us, and I'm not a better writer than her. She achieved the success that she did partially because, well, the Harry Potter novels are a lot of fun. But I can think of a lot of books that are a lot of fun and that I think are fairly well written. The difference between J.K. Rowling and any of these other writers is Ruby Dust. Now, I've talked about this on the podcast before, and for anybody who's new, Ruby Dust is an idea that goes back to a story that Sol Stein says in his book on writing, that the real secret to success as a writer is hoping that the fairies come in in the middle of the night and sprinkle, sprinkle ruby dust on you, because there's a certain amount of luck in your book coming out at the right time, hitting the right people that help spread it and help it to grow. And become a major success. That's what made her who she is. That's what made Stephen King who he is. Or Neil Gaiman. And I'm not saying any of these writers didn't work hard. I think most writers work hard. But some of us have ruby dust. And the rest of us don't see it. That is the real problem with all of this. Anytime we look at the success of someone else, we like to believe that it was hard work. And for some people it is. And for most of us, I think it is. I don't think there are many, if any, writers who just kind of fell into it. They didn't have to work hard to hone their craft, to learn how to craft a good sentence, to eradicate the weird errors and idioms and idiosyncrasies that are in their writing that make it hard for others to understand. 
when I talk about ruby dust, it's to remind us that there is a certain amount of luck in all of this. It's comforting for us to think that as long as we put in enough hard work, we will succeed. And to a certain degree, I think that that has merit. I think that there's a, a possibility that that is true. We will find readers. We will find an audience. But when we're talking about these massively successful writers, or when we're talking about people that we don't know their struggle, their work, and by their work, I don't mean the published work. I mean the actual process it took to get to that published work. It's easy for us to imagine that it just came out that way. That they wrote these amazing stories and they're just so talented. They're so much better than we are. But their success did not rely on them being a better writer. And if you ever think that your success depends on how well you can craft a sentence or how good your grammar is or how intricate you can weave your stories. That's not really where it is. See, the real secret is giving yourself as many opportunities as possible for that ruby dust to get sprinkled on you. To, yes, hone your craft. Yes, work on telling your stories Make them as good as they can possibly be. Be the artist that you want to be. Do work that you are proud of. But remember, the work that you admire, you don't know what went into making that. And because of that basic ignorance of not being in the head of that other writer, it will always seem magical that those words came together. There will always be an element of surprise and wonder and mystery about how those words came about. How was Dune written? Where did the Conan stories come from? I'm showing my colors here on some of my favorite writers, but you get what I'm saying, I hope. Because this is one of the greatest limitations that I think any of us as creative people put on ourselves, is we look at those who do things that we do and have any level of success, and we look at them as special. This is the beauty, one, one of the greatest things about the prequels. Remember, Star Wars wasn't as good as it was because George Lucas is an auteur genius. It's because his wife at the time savagely edited the work that he created and made Star Wars the movie that it was. When he showed it to his friends, to Jeffrey Katzenberg and Steven Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola, they all looked at him like he was crazy. They told him that it wasn't good. And we have never seen that original version of Star Wars. Because his wife at the time went into the editing booth and cut and pasted, and moved around, and fixed all of the things in his story. And then it hit the theaters at just the right time, when people were just so ready 
for an epic space opera. It had been so long since we had one. And then he brought in amazing writers to do the next two movies. So when we go back to the prequels, no matter what you think of them and how they could have been better or worse or blah, 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 it doesn't matter. He was at a point in his career where he could do whatever he wanted to do. He didn't have to listen to anyone anymore. Granted, all of those movies did extremely well, no matter what you want to say about them. And he knew they didn't have to. He made his money already. He didn't have to bring in an editor to savage his work and to change his work. He could just do what he wanted. And he did. Maybe we need an editor. Maybe we need somebody to help us make our work better. Or maybe, just maybe, we need to stop comparing our work to the works of others. Because when I read Dune, I feel so inadequate as a writer. Frank Herbert's words take me right there. I'm there on Caladan. I'm there on Arrakis. I can feel the sand. I can smell the desert air. I can smell the spice all around me. I'm carried away with Jessica and Paul's dreams. I understand what happens in those worlds in a way that I don't feel like my own work conveys. To me, whether you like Frank Herbert or not, Dune and Children of Dune are two of the best books I've ever read. The wonderful thing is, between them is Dune Messiah, which is not a very good book. And that is one of the most wonderful things ever. Because it shows me that even this hero of mine, this idol, this icon that I want someday to be mentioned in a sentence with him, that my work might someday live on a shelf next to his. He wrote Dune Messiah. Because he really didn't have a fully fleshed out vision for what happened afterwards. And Dune Messiah is the messy book that kind of bridges the gap and creates the stories that follow. It's a necessary book in the series. But, oh, compared to what comes before and after it, it's not that good of a book. And I don't revel in the fact that my hero wrote a bad book. I revel in the fact that it shows that he's human. He muddled through. Just like I muddle through. Just like you muddle through. We all have our moments. For every interview with a vampire... There's a tale of the body thief. There are good books. There are great books. And there are books that, oh, wow, that, that got written. And that's life. And I will never know if the book that I am writing is my Dune or my Dune Messiah. I will probably feel like whatever book I write is my Dune Messiah. That is just not quite where 
I want it to be. Even if it hit the best, all the bestseller lists, even if it was made into a movie that was so brilliant it won all the awards, and everyone loved it, I would probably still feel like it could have been better. If I'd only done this one thing that I really wanted to figure out how to do. Because when I look at my own work, I'm holding it up against icons that have stood the test of time. I'm looking at other friends of mine who are writers who seem to write with this ease that I don't have. And I feel like that's just because I'm not intimately involved in their craft. I don't know what it took to get them there. Even if we talk about it, and we do, learning is not the same as knowing. I know where every word in my novels come from. I will never know the same for theirs. And thus, they will always seem magical. And that's why we will always ask ourselves, why am I not as good as my heroes? Why am I not as good as my peers? So maybe we should just stop asking ourselves that question and just create the work and enjoy the craft. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, and you haven't already, please like this series or episode, whichever you're allowed to do in the app that you're listening to me on. That does help me out a lot. If you have a dollar you can throw my way, please go into the show notes. You'll see a link for community support. If you click that, you can join the project at the one, five or $10 levels. That money helps me out a lot, helps me do everything that I do really does mean the world to me. And thank you to everybody who does that. If you don't have the money, that's perfectly all right. Trust me. I understand that. That's kind of, that's kind of my thing. <laughs> Need to get a new washing machine and I have no idea where the money is going to come from. But you could help by recommending the podcast to other people that you know that you think might like it. The other thing that you could do that would, I would really make my day while you're in the show notes, you'll see a link for voice messages. If you click that link, you can leave me a voice message. It can be a question, a comment, or a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show. That would really make my day. I would like this to really be our podcast. Yeah. You can find find me on Twitter and Instagram as C.E. Dorset. You can find links to everything that I do over at ProjectShadow.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, don't forget... Have the fun.